0: presence to hear your word to know that there is a God who dwells among men and loves us and cares for us and will do anything for us lord it's so wonderful to know that you're there for us and we honor you today we lift you up and we thank you for the privilege of being your children and your family in jesus name amen praise god amen many 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 men um i thought we'd talk a little bit about the sanctuary man the sanctuary the sanctuary so we'll see the um the history of the sanctuary and what God's intention was and uh what we have now a new covenant sanctuary and um how that all <clears throat> was fitted in God's plan how he revealed the sanctuary to us in Exodus 25 Maybe I'll, I'll define the word sanctuary for you so that you'll understand. Uh, Webster Dictionary, sanctuary is from the Latin word, sorry, the root word for it is sanctum, which is holy or refers to a holy or consecrated place. First sanctuaries were places where holy items were held. So the, it was the items inside that were holy. And the sanctuary was built around that or as a place to hold holy things or consecrated things. The uh, sanctuary is, uh, typical sanctuaries are shrines, synagogues, churches. <clears throat> the first sanctuary or or uh, um, really meeting place and sanctuary really was uh, defined by God as the place where he would meet with man, so it is it the concept in god's mind was a meeting place between himself and man. the church or synagogue was then uh, managed by a human being as God's representative known as a priest so the priest was there to minister to God and minister to man and draw man to God so the priest then becomes the bridge between God and man he has to live in such a way that he knows how knows God's laws to keep the holy things holy and the profane things separated from the holy things so that God can see that as his property his earthly dwelling place and have the freedom to come down and dwell among men so the sanctuary then becomes the center of God's dealings with man he has to have a central place that he's designated as a place where he meets with man the sanctuary then the concept of the sanctuary grows into that of a safe place it's a safe place for God to come down from heaven because if he didn't have a designated meeting place then, his power would would not be um uh administered correctly. Remember when God would say, "Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow I'm going to come and visit you, and I don't want to break out." among you. And so then God when he comes, he must have a <coughs> a specific confined place in which to meet man. And also there must be rules kept so that God's God can be in control of this so that his power is not perceived as a negative power. You got me? It's not uh, out of control in that it has to judge. He wants to come down as a friend. He wants to come down as, as God in a peaceful way so that he can instruct us and help us. And he doesn't want to come down in a judgmental way. So then the sanctuary then uh, the concept grows into that of a place where there's no judgment. Where it's a safe haven. It's a place where you can safely come. You can find refuge there. You can find a dwelling place. And Churches being uh, types of modern day sanctuaries have that connotation in 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 people's minds. You know, one of the things that I find that people when people, you know how when when somebody in the church does something wrong and it, it's the talk of everything. And I think that's because sometimes the world is disappointed in that they see that there's something in the church that's not holy and then they don't know what to do then that that makes them a little confused well what's going to happen to me when I need some place to go and I need even though they don't want it right then you know you couldn't pay them five bucks to come into church on their own volition but they want to know that there's a sanctuary they want to know that there's a secure place for them and of course they make generalizations of course they they judge it incorrectly because if you're led by God you'll get to the right place You know what I'm saying. I mean we've all had that experience where we were crying out to God for some need in our lives. And when we followed and obeyed God we got to the right place. So that place then becomes your sanctuary. We feel like David felt when he said I was glad when they said let us go into the house of the Lord. Because that is the place where you can relax and let everything go and and let your your um, cares go let the thoughts and the worries of the uh, everyday life you you let those go because you found a place of refuge for your soul and for your spirit the other thing you need to know about the sanctuary that there was a functioning priesthood there the priesthood itself also was defined by God the priesthood was, was was there was a place where uh, safety was provided protection was there and justice was there so if you'll turn to Exodus chapter 25 we'll see the beginnings of the sanctuary and how God had what idea he had in mind when he set this, uh, this sanctuary in motion uh, <clears throat> he talks about building a tent uh, he gave the tablets of stone the law to Moses and as he begins to explain how this law is going to be administered etc etc he gets to the part where he says to build a sanctuary so it's in Exodus 25 starting in verse 8 and he says and let them make me a sanctuary make him a sanctuary in other words the sanctuary is the safe haven for God down here on earth Got me? It's a place where he knows he has designated as a meeting place between himself and the people. So he says make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among men. So God's concept of the sanctuary was a safe place for him to come and dwell among men. It's a dwelling place for God. He says make the place first and then he'll show up. Not the reverse. You got me? So we are to make our hearts ready. As John the Baptist said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. In other words, get the sin out of your heart. Put away the things that you know are standing between you and God repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and so that's the same that's the new testament translation of what's happening here god wants to come and dwell among men and we are to make that place ready for him according to his specifications not according to what we think is right you know for the first time god gets to call the shots So that he can make sure that his he's known in the right way. People have the right concept of who God is. They understand that he's a holy God. But he's also a God who loves us. And wants to come down and dwell among us. So he says make me a dwelling place first. And then I'll come down. In other words prepare the way for me to come and dwell with you. God gave exact instructions on how to make it. And he told them to make it. According to a pattern that was already up in heaven. And he says according to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments even so shall you make it. And so God then sets forth a replica of heaven down here on earth. This is the first instance we see of him inviting heaven down here on earth. In other words, he's saying this, I'm the God of heaven and I want... Everything that I'm comfortable with up here to be brought down here. Just to show you that I'm willing to release some things so that I can come and dwell with you. But it has to be set up in a way that I can function. That I can be who I am. But also I will be among you and let you get to know me. And so it says in verse 10... They shall make the ark of shittim wood and overlay it with pure gold and all of these wonderful things that God has uh, to set up the tabernacle. They're set up the way God wants them to be set up, and He said it's it's a pattern of the way things are in heaven. You'll notice when He talks about the ark of the covenant. The ark was a box in which the holy items were placed and the things that God wanted to put there. in, in verse 21, He says, "You shall put." put." put the mercy seat upon the ark and in the ark you'll put the testimony that I'll give you and that was the tablets of stone in other words that's my law And he says and there I will meet with you and I will commune with you or I will discuss with you and I will share with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims that are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I will give you in commandment unto the children of Israel. So what God is saying here I will speak from my law I have certain things that I want you to know about myself certain things that I expect of you. And that's inside the box. But over the box and ministering over it is the mercy of God. So then there's the law of God always ministered in mercy even in the old covenant. See even in back into the law where there was the curse. The curse itself was mercy because it didn't last forever. There was a lifting of the curse when obedience came back into play and so there were certain things that God wanted people to know about him and the way he was and that is that I do have my law that I expect you to obey but then I have mercy over that law and so God's law is always administered in mercy. You, you have to know that. He gave the law. He gave the commandments to give people an understanding of his standards. Who he is. What, do, what am I like? I don't kill. I don't, uh, I don't murder. I don't kill unjustly. I don't lie. I can't lie. I never lie. I'm not jealous. I don't want what belongs to somebody else. You can trust me. All of those things. God put his law upon us because that's his character. If God expects us not to steal it's because he's not a thief. If he expects us not to lie it's because he doesn't lie. And so if we are his children made in his image these are things we need to know about him. This is the standard. But the standard is always ministered in mercy because he understands our frame Uh, david says he knows we're just dust he knows what we're capable of he knows even in our best efforts we'll goof up sometimes and so he'll give us chance after chance after chance to get the law right in other words his mercy is what allows you a second chance mercy does not tell you you don't have to do right you got me? That's not what mercy's about. Mercy helps you to know that you can do right. Why can't we do right now that we have the power of God dwelling in us? But even under the old covenant, when there was a curse there, there was always mercy ministered over that. And so the sanctuary of God got to be the place where God explained himself to man. God began to show man a better way of living and that is living for him. And so when he began to the the sanctuary that was the main thing that he wanted was a meeting place between him and man. Because he has always desired to dwell among us. When he was in the garden with Adam he wasn't there all the time. You got me the fact that God wasn't there all the time allowed the enemy to come in there and deceive them so God said you know what I'm going to I'm going to start to reintroduce myself to man and this time I'll have a covenant that's foolproof because they won't be dealing just with an innocent man now they'll be dealing with a God man I'll dwell inside of them I'll be Emmanuel with them I'll protect them I will help them I will be the one that that they that you have to go through next time devil you got to go through me to get to him you're not going to get this chance again to come full blast and deceive him that way and so God has done throughout these the years of dealing with man he is bringing us back to an understanding of who he really is is because the deception of the enemy has stolen the true nature character and identity of God from man so in this in this uh, tabernacle or sanctuary where God is dwelling there is an inner sanctuary and this is the important thing I want to get to in um, let me see uh, and a couple of couple of examples here. I wish I had taken it from Exodus. It'd be easier for me to follow. I think it, there's an example or uh, in 1st Kings 6 I think. Let me look over there. Where it talks about the inner sanctuary. It wasn't the first <laughs> first uh, example of it I wanted to give it to you so you'd know how it was set up but I think we all know that there was a holy place there was an outer court that the priest went through an inner court the holy place and then the holiest of all he went in there once a year because it was so uh, he couldn't go in there all the time because of the penalty that was was given if the priest didn't go in there totally cleansed uh, according to the law. According to the rules of the law. Now over the years as, as people kind of drifted away from God. As their leaders would drift away from God. You would have uh, people trying to function in the priesthood without the law. Without understanding all the rules and all of the things that God had given to Moses. So much so that at one point they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, covenant on a cart. That was pulled by donkeys instead of on the shoulders between the priests. And that cart began to fall and the man that tried to steady it was killed. And so it was it had deteriorated to the point where people got away from understanding the priesthood and understanding the treatment of holy things and why they were treated in a certain way, etcetera, etcetera. And so these things had to be refreshed over the years to the people of God so they, they didn't get in trouble with God. See, God's always the same. It's people that change. People drift away from God. They don't understand the laws of God. They're not as important anymore. We can do a little bit of this and we can do a little bit. We don't have to go directly letter by letter by the rules. And God showed them that that was not so. That he was still the same God and he expected holiness. He expected us to obey his law. He expected us to come to him in a certain way that was already prescribed by him. But there was an inner sanctuary. And that inner sanctuary was the holiest of all and the most pure part of that whole tabernacle set up. And that was a place where God's power dwelt in its fullness. And that was where the the high priest came once a year and brought blood in there for the atonement of his own sins and for the sins of the people. And so that inner sanctuary was pointing to God's desire to dwell in the hearts of men. That he had a, a desire to get into our innermost being and set up his abode there. And that was, was where God would have his final resting place on earth, is in the hearts of men. So, that inner sanctuary is very important. How God protected that, how God didn't let them come in unless they were totally washed according to the rules and totally made holy. It'll give you an understanding of the love and desire he has to help and protect us so that he has an earthly dwelling place. I mean don't ever count who you are as a small thing before God. When you look at the structure of the tabernacle. And you look at all the different elements of it. And how the priest had to proceed from one level to the next to the next. To get into the holiest of holy. And then only once a year. That God set that apart as his total Resting place that he desired to get to the people, but because of the sin of the people, it wasn't possible to be among them at all times. And now finally, he has a resting place in us where he can come and he can dwell with us and have the freedom he's already always wanted to have to be with people. It's such a wonderful thing that he's done all of this just to get to be inside of us and be God to us. This is all pointing to the to the believers. Pointing to the Christian. What we have in God. It's no cheap thing. Yeah, I was look, thinking about that Todd White uh the, his when he talked about uh, you know the change that God made in him and and, and people were asking him you know uh, about his uh, you know it, it, you know he was into pornography and all that kind of stuff and did you struggle oh man he's given me all this what am I going to look at that for you know I mean it's just that cut and dry and simple when you think about what God's done for us why would we want anything of the world unless we really haven't renounced it. You got me? Just want to hang on anyway to see you know, how long you can hang on. It's, it's just kind of foolishness when you think about what God has done. All the first five books of the Bible are pointing to how he desires to be with us. He desires to dwell in us. He considers us his holy and peculiar people down here in the earth. He loves us. He wants us to understand the greatness of His love and how much He desires to be with us. So, in Numbers, uh, I think it's 18, He talks about the care of the, the sanctuary and the altar. God had a certain prescribed way that the priests were supposed to take care of the holy things, like us, us holy things. It's pointing to us. And the care he wants. <coughs> he says here. Verse 1. The Lord said to Aaron. You and your sons and your, of your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. In other words. You're going to be able to keep the sanctuary clean. I'm making it your responsibility. In other words. he said, When he says bear the iniquity. That means that you take care of it. And I'm holding you accountable to do it. And he says. And you, sh- you and your sons with you. Shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. And your brethren also of the tribe of Levi. Levi the tribe of your father. Bring. uh You with with you that they may be joined to you and minister unto you but you and your sons with you shall minister before the tabernacle of witness and they shall keep thy charge and the charge of all the tabernacle only they should not come near the vessels of the sanctuary and the altar neither they nor you and you will die and they shall be joined unto you and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation for all the service of the tabernacle and the straight shall not come near unto you. In other words, this is a holy place. you are called to do this service for me and, and you and only you are allowed to do this thing. Now that should make you feel real special. Because us and only us have the charge in the earth. Have the responsibility to bear the iniquity of the unholy in the earth. In other words we are to bridge the gap between those who are outside of the covenant and God. That God would be able to meet needs of people regardless of who they are. We are the ones who are bearing the iniquity of so to speak of the whole world. So we have the burden of bringing those needs to God. And he says you'll keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar. That there be no wrath anymore upon the children of Israel. So it's up to us believers to intercede for people to be saved. To intercede for them to be healed. So that the iniquity is, is not born on people where they could receive the mercy of God. See it's the law ministered by the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God that saved you and brought you into a place where now you bear the responsibility of the priesthood here on earth. Because he dwells in you. You're walking around little altar of God where you can minister over that holiness that's on the inside of your heart. Any need that comes up on the earth. Any need that God burdens you with. Anything doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. It doesn't, none of that matters. What matters is that we understand this is the law of Christ. Bear, bear ye one another's burdens. That's it. And so as we come into an understanding of what God desired. Because we have this great privilege of having him dwell in us. Then there comes with us great responsibility you got me it's not too great for us because it's measured by the power of the holy spirit it's born that way but still there is a responsibility here that we have that we can can minister on behalf of god to the people amen and so god has given the, the the priesthood great weight and responsibility in the earth but just like the levite he gave us great privilege in the earth so the tabernacle the sanctuary actually functioned under the priesthood no priesthood no contact with god hmm? and you, we saw that when you look at at history especially church history during the time that they referred to as the dark ages the middle ages you saw the the uh, priesthood just totally uh, erased from the face of the earth almost you saw a withdrawal of the, the, uh, the believer or the ones who were carrying the life of God. You saw a withdrawal of the Christians into a, 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 a kind of a, um, a sequestered type of priesthood. There's, they, was, they were not obeying the mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So they became a sanctuary that not not in the sense that God wanted it to be, that he created it to be, a dwelling place for him so that he could dwell among the people. They took the concept of sanctuary and perverted it to they were keeping God pushed away from the people so they began instead of being the bridge between God and man the priesthood during the middle ages became the the uh, breach between God and man God was so holy. He, couldn't, he could only be around a certain kind of monk and they couldn't have contact with God and all this kind of stuff. So then the sanctuary concept gets perverted in that they start to separate God from man instead of bringing God back to man. And you saw the increase of illness you saw the increase of death in the earth you saw when God is not able to contact man the way he desires you see the increase of every evil work in the earth they would have plagues that would wipe out whole towns of people they would just throw the dead out and then they couldn't be around the dead because they would get infected and they didn't know how to stop it nobody knew to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation and so there were very very few people who held on to the truth about God you see every now and then there's a little monk here who has an encounter with God and and then he can kind of share that with somebody anytime you have an encounter with God you when you met God for real you share it you don't hold it into yourself he's too big for you to contain in anything other than than sharing him with other people and so the the concept of the sanctuary then gets a little bit perverted and a little bit uh, toned down from what God wanted but God is always there to raise somebody up to revive the understanding of who he is he begins to work on on what we call people who are now protestants during that that protestant reformation and so God then gets to be among the people the way he's always wanted to be you can't hold him back he can't be so holy that you impose your self-righteousness on him he's got to be holy the way he wants to be holy and he will find a way to make that truth known to somebody and so The sanctuary then functions under the priesthood. God chose the priest to make the sacrifices to allow man access to him. There was no approaching God without the shedding of blood. Blood had a sacrifice had to be made before God could be approached. The priest then ministered vertically toward God and then horizontally to the people it's a picture of the cross so the cross represents the culmination of this priesthood this is it's a memorial to to the, his death on the cross the atonement of our sins but also it's a memorial to the old covenant priesthood that there is now a priesthood that can truly me- minister vertically toward heaven to god and also horizontally to man So when you pray, you address God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Help man as it is in heaven. You got me? And so that has always been in God's mind to have a priesthood that could minister freely between him and man. Freely between him and man. So the cross is what brings man and God together. And it makes all who receive Christ a part of his everlasting priesthood. So the priest's objective. His ministry was to bring God and people together. Through the years both the building or the temple or the church or the synagogue and the person. Have become synonymous with the word sanctuary. The priest you know the symbolic robes of the priest you can see it especially in the catholic church that some of the traditions that they have that that wearing of that uh, robe it was a, a sign to people that god was here and it was safe for you to approach that person that person was there ministering on behalf of god and then the priest then begins to represent a sanctuary a person then becomes a sanctuary Can you imagine that we are the sanctuary God and I'm just saying priest as an example but we know that the real priesthood is the everyday believer who comes to that person and that person knows that as a believer you represent safety for them. Or they wouldn't tell you their problems they re, or they wouldn't ask you to pray, or they wouldn't ask you you people can come up and don't know you from anybody and trust you with their innermost secrets and, and ask you for prayer. Why because they recognize you as the sanctuary of the holy place of God you're the temple of God you're the refuge uh, for for God you can you can touch God for them many times they don't want God themselves you got to understand that the concept of the sanctuary was a meeting place so that the priest could do the ministry huh until they understand that they are priesthood as well you know, we gotta be trained in these things, get an understanding. Doesn't take long though. It doesn't take long at all. But the the thing of it is is that we as the, the church then we represent a sanctuary. We the word sanctuary comes to mind when you think about the believer, the one who really knows God. The one who one who's a true witness for God. So then the priesthood has become synonymous with sanctuary. The priest becomes synonymous with sanctuary. The sanctuary also becomes the center of God's dealings with man. So if you could imagine yourself as a temple of God and there's spiritual activity going on in your heart all the time. God is, is in your heart dealing not only with personal issues but he's dealing with issues that have to do with life of, of other people outside of you he, that is the function of every believer I understand believers who have so much trouble they don't have time to pray for somebody you know I mean it, God bless you if you, you're in that spot but I'm telling you there's a whole lot more to you than you know because there is inside of you an altar of God where he is is functioning to help you to, to become everything that he wants you to be developing the character of Christ in you but he is also allowing that ministry that keeps you functioning that keeps you bearing the iniquity of others it keeps you true to the responsibility of the priesthood he keeps that going as well there will be somebody come across your path and you you know this is one of them days you know where you can't be bothered you can say, yeah, I need some me time what about me all that kind of stuff and then the minute you say what about me God will pop somebody right in front of you who's got a greater need than you do a more pressing need and not as much knowledge about God you know they don't you know they need your prayers and you know they depend upon your prayers. So we have to understand this. We must understand the, the function of the priesthood. Priesthood didn't depend on, on whether somebody felt like ministering that day. Your, your name got pulled, the, the lot was cast, and you were on. You understand what I'm saying? You threw them robes on. You you better not forget to wash at one spot. Because you might be nailed that time. So you had to function. You had to focus. You had to make sure that you did what God expected you to do. And then you found out there was a whole lot more to you than you thought there ever was to you. You got me. That you could do these things for God. And you could be a force down here to be reckoned with. And so the concept then. Now, uh, the sanctuary gets kind of split off between two places. One is the priest as the sanctuary, the physical person, and the other is the building as the sanctuary. So, the building is a sanctuary. Sanctuaries were refuges, they were holy places, places where God met man. There's also different types throughout history, there are different types of refuge that people desire. They desire sometimes political refuge, religious refuge, there's human refuge sanctuaries, there are non-human sanctuaries. We know that concept now has been broadened to include animal sanctuaries. There are places where uh, animals when they're ill or not wanted anymore can go and be cared for and they remain there till they die. They're not put out for adoption. So a sanctuary can be a permanent place of refuge. A place where a person can finally rest and know that they found home. So a sanctuary draws a picture of our final home with God. So that there's rest there. There's comfort there. You can relax. You don't have to worry about somebody coming for you. You got to run off. It's a permanent resting place. That's what God has in us. It's not a permanent resting place in the hearts of men. He wants that very much. He said, Now I can finally instead of going from tabernacle to temple to to wonder when they don't want a temple, I can't get with them, you know. I can finally have a permanent resting place and I've finally made it. The joy that was set before Jesus was this man it was finally i've got a resting place where i can come and visit people i can can show them who i really am i can show them how much i love them i can show them their great potential in me they can start to walk out some of these things they've been wanting to do all their lives i can finally get with them and let them realize the fullness of life in me so all of these different things are, are types of sanctuaries. Many times sanctuaries or shrines were built in honor of martyred saints. And often on the, the very ground where they were martyred. And so the, it's done. The, the shrine was done to commemorate an activity that was done that was of great honor. Great honor a martyrdom was the greatest honor of anybody in the church so the sanctuaries often were named after saints who had died in that honor in a sanctuary because of the ministry of the mercy over the law mercy being above the law see the reason the the law was put inside the ark instead of the reverse mercy is higher than the law because it reflects God's true heart anything that reflects the heart Is the truest part of that person. Even though God is holy. Even though God expects us to obey his law. He understands that we will make mistakes. He understands that we will fail from time to time. So his mercy must minister over that law. The spirit of the law is always that of mercy. So. In uh, in in that in the sanctuary, then you are immune to arrest and prosecution. This is a modern day sanctuary. Uh, the United Nations rec- recognizes political sanctuary. So do all of the in all the international treaties rec- rec- uh, recognize political sanctuary? In other words, there may be places on the earth. Where, where the laws according to international law what they call in a, in a sense sovereign law. You know international law is supposed to reflect a higher mind than each individual country as individuals. So it's referred to as a more or less a sovereign law. And that they recognize that there may be governments that are contrary to the best needs of the people etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And so if you can say that you are a political prisoner or that you are some type of a refugee from a country that is oppressive, then you are allowed to have political sanctuary. So when a a person seeking political sanctuary then looks for sovereign authority for asylum. And oftentimes, that's the United Nations. Uh, before that, it was the different leagues, international peace treaties, and so forth that they had had would uphold these ideas that people may be expressing their God-given rights, say of free speech, of different different things that they felt were God-given, and they were being oppressed by uh, by their government. And so that that idea of a sanctuary place for people of the earth to run to when they are being unfairly oppressed is very much alive it's alive in a political sense and it's alive in a spiritual sense so in a spiritual sense it points to us as people who offer this refuge and sanctuary to all you can get above any law (laughs) that's been levied if you will appeal to the sanctuary of God praise God and so when we we understand what we're doing um and and uh obey that then we are able to come into a life, a new lease on life, so to speak. We're able to come into a new uh, type of you get a breathing room. You get whew, the heat's off. You got me. One of the the uh, um, places in the earth that's kind of interesting historically is Westminster Abbey, because that place was known. It, it it's I think it was built around the year 600. I know it started way before uh, the the 10th century. But it was connected really to the palace. And and oftentimes, if people were being. If there was a change in the government. Say there was an overthrow. Uh, say, say some um, prime minister or somebody got a little too much power. And decided to oppose the king. Then the king and the family would just run over to the church and nobody could bother them there. They just would seek refuge that was that's why it was stationed where it was. Because they had a sense that because politics was so volatile, so up and down, that they had to have a place where if things went bad, we know we can survive. And that was the sanctuary. You got me? That was the sanctuary. That was a common practice really until maybe like the 18th century where, you know, formerly, uh, you know, uh, um, people who, royal families were, who governed for the people. Turned into despots that just were robbing the people and taking from them. the people were poor and disgruntled, and so the idea of a sanctuary for the royalty was kind of done away with because they had abused their power so much but until that time it was common for if if war broke out and they had some wars that were touch and go you know one day we'd be over in the church living and the next day we'd be back in the palace again oh it turned in our favor let's go back home again and the next day it would turn against your favor you go back over in the church again and get sanctuary there as long as there was a functioning priesthood there so you can see the priesthood having a lot of power in some of these foreign countries you see very often if a king came into power at a very young age that power was given over to one of the holy people there you know this is very common and so the the priesthood often governed for the people as well that's how that's how much this concept of mercy sanctuary resting place a place where you can can survive not just survive but thrive is there for people to understand this and and it's been handed down traditionally century after century after century. So it was a common place of refuge in medieval times especially. Now the priest as the sanctuary. In Numbers 35 you'll see a story there that God uh, created the concept of the city of refuge. Praise God. Well Shannon come here I got something for you. Numbers 35. Keep turning to Numbers 35. Thank you. I'll meet you halfway. In 35, starting in verse 6. Praise God. It talks about God's concept for the city of refuge. In... Verse one Moses gathered all the congregation together and these are the words which the Lord commanded, six days you'll work and the seventh there'll be no work. I'm sure that was a bummer for some people. All the Jamaicans said, Oh no man. We need tree job, man. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> oh wait a minute. I got the wrong for the city of refuge. Come on now. Oh numbers. I'm sorry. I'm over in the wrong. Numbers 35. Getting there. Getting there. Okay. He says command the children of Israel to give to the Levites as their inheritance. Now this is, this is where the priesthood must function and obey God. The Levites had no land that they could till. They had nothing except what pertained to their work. In other words, that's your full-time calling. You got me? The priesthood is your full-time calling. You know, I sometimes look at people, with, oh, I'm, God's going to put me in full-time ministry. I'm thinking, you're not now? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your time? <laughs> you know, are you waiting for something else? My goodness. And so he says, the the Levites will. this will be their inheritance command the children of Israel that they give to the Levites of the inheritance of their possession cities to dwell in and you shall also unto the Levites suburbs for the cities around them so they really had um, enough land to live off of. But but their work was the priesthood. The, and the city shall, they have to dwell in. The suburbs of them shall be for cattle. For their goods. And for their beasts. So they had personal places to lodge. But they also had the city in which they dwelt. And the suburbs of the city that you should give to the Levites. Shall reach from the walls of the city around. So there was like an encampment around that that temple but but the temple and the sanctuary were the primary focus of the levites lifestyle and you shall measure from without the city etc etc verse six and among the cities you shall give unto the levites there shall be six cities for refuge which you shall appoint for the manslayer that he may flee there and to them he shall add forty and two cities so the main purpose for the city of refuge was a protection for people who were under the under the pursuit of the manslayer who was known to just carry out the law without a hearing without a trial without you got me (laughs) So it was to stop the rush to judgment that is so common now in our legal system. You know years from now people are going to look at what we do now and wonder how anybody got a fair trial. You got me? How could anybody get a fair trial from being tried on television, being tried on uh, opinion programs, uh, all this TV. How could you think somebody could just judge according to the evidence when they've heard so much bias um, beforehand? But anyway, it's, that's a different story. So this city of refuge and the high p- priest dwell there and was able to provide safety for the escapee. Now there were certain rules that, that had to be followed so I'm going I'm to read through those. He said so all the cities that you shall give to the Levites shall be forty and eight cities and you shall give them with their suburbs six of these are cities for refuge. And the cities which you shall give them shall be of the possession of the children of Israel. From them that that have many you shall give many. From them that have few you give few of course. Few everyone shall give of his cities to the Levites according to the inheritance which he inherited. Now there's no provision here for a minister to have more than what's given by the people. You got me? There's no provision. That's what gets preachers in trouble. Lack of oversight. Poor oversight. No oversight. There's, there's no stopping what they can accumulate and amass. The Lord spoke to Moses saying. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them. When you come over Jordan into the land of Canaan. Then shall you appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you. That the slayer may flee there. Which kills a person unawares in other words there's no witnesses to this killing nobody knows what happened actually and they shall give you cities for refuge from the avenger that the manslayer <clears throat> die not until he stand before the congregation and judgment so there was a a Place for this manslayer if he was real good, a good bounty hunter, and tracked you down and caught you and killed you before you made it to the city of refuge. Now, in God's providence and understanding, he knows how to help people get away, doesn't he? And he knows how to slow bounty hunters down, doesn't he? And so the rule was if you got to the city of refuge then you knew that you could pretty much make it. You could get a fair trial and you might even have been innocent. Verse 15. These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger. So here you have the political asylum um, built into God's mind already and for the sojourner among them that everyone that kills any person unawares may flee there so when you were the priest if you didn't have a good understanding of God's protection you might not want you got me who wants this job you got all the criminals running there and not just you know scared straight type little teenagers with a lot of mouth but you got all the murderers coming there so you had to trust god he says and if he smite him with an instrument of iron so he talks about the law governing how these people were to be judged okay Uh, if, if there was an accident or something that that was how you would be would be able to get free but if you did it in anger if you hit somebody in anger you had to give your life for that that was not not allowed he says uh, the congregation verse 24 shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments so there were rules they had to follow and the congreg— and these were elders congregation is not just a bunch of people but they were selected elders that heard court cases he says in the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge whether he fled and he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest after which you're free yeah. so then the priest becomes your sanctuary yeah. not the place where you were but this living person is the one who is con- in control of your life and provides the refuge for you yeah. and he says here in the congregation let me see where it said death of the high priest which was anointed with the holy oil but if the slayer shall at any time come out of the border in other words you try to sneak out before the trial and the Avenger catches you, you die. But if you're an innocent person and you know you're innocent, you should be able to abide by these rules. And stay there until your freedom finally comes. And he says that and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge. And the revenger of blood kill the slayer. Then he shall not be guilty of blood. The revenger doesn't. Because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. So you can see why people would flee until these sanctuaries and just stay put they finally knew they had a home you don't know how long you would have to stay there but you could find refuge there you could find uh, protection there and you could find merciful judgment if you made it to the city of refuge so the high priest dwelled there and was able to provide safety for the innocent the concept of mercy over the law is what provides sanctuary for people that you must believe that there is mercy uh, afforded to you before you can get there. <clears throat> they are protected, and this is where we flee for refuge. In Hebrews six eight, it tells us the same thing about about uh, our concept of of salvation in Christ Jesus. It says that we have fled for refuge. To the, the heavenly Jerusalem. The Bible talks about I saw the holy city coming down from heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem adorned as a bride waiting for her husband. That city is is resident inside of us believers. we have an altar inside of us, we have the law inside of us. we have the mercy of God inside of us. you know the word, you know what the word says about things. thou shalt not this thou shalt not that. do you hit people with the law when they ask for prayer? No, you go to God and you ask for mercy for them so that they can obtain mercy. Now God knows how to judge fairly if 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 they're just messing around and, and they need to, to uh you know go to jail or whatever their sentence provides for god will see to it that they get there but we are the sanctuary we are the refuge for these people in hebrews 6:18, it tells us that that um By two immutable things in which is what's impossible for God to lie we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us everybody gets saved is is fleeing for refuge I know I was I was so sick of me and sick of my problems and sick of my sins and my misgivings and then somebody done me wrong songs you know you just swing both directions and so you get tired of it and you need a refuge in a sanctuary but then you find that God sets up that refuge on the inside of you he comes to dwell on the inside of you so we've done the same thing thing and the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of a fair life with God he referees our problems he referees our sin he does all of those things to guarantee to us that we have a sure uh, a sure life in God when we we get to the point in God where we understand who we are we then become the sanctuary down here on earth the higher power that people can run to. We, In Matthew uh, 13 it tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a mustard seed that starts out as the least of the seeds. But then it grows to the point where the birds of the air can come and lodge in its branches. That's us. We're the trees of righteousness. And, and the people of the earth come and find refuge in us. So much that that you know many times you 're trying to run from people that oh boy, here they come with their problems again it 's not about that it 's about them being drawn to you as the 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 dwelling place of god the place where they can finally come and lay their burdens down the problems that they have just, you know i think i'll go and ask so and so i'm going to tell so and so just so they can pray for me or something like that or sometimes people will tell you know the real proud ones real hard ones they don't ask for prayer they just start dumping stuff all over you and you got to figure out what the need is see that's a good priest Huh? That's a good priest. You figure out that these people need prayer, and that, the, or sometimes they'll ask you for prayer. Uh, uh, Pastor Shirley said they were uh, over at the the building where they pass out the bread, and so. Um, As they were passing out bread, one of the women came through and they just gave her the bread. And she said, oh, you're not going to pray for us this time? And so, you know, (laughs) and so it's it's known. You're the refuge. Amen. Not just the physical refuge, but you're the refuge. So I I found a a story or something I'm going to share with you, a testimony I'm going to share with you about uh, a man by the name of Manuel Noriega some of you might remember him uh, in the 90s he was a pretty uh, notorious figure this man was uh, a Panamanian and he uh, he was never really president but he was a very powerful influence there uh, he had Done a lot of murders, they believe there's a lot of crime that was was uh tied to him uh in his lifetime, and there came a time where the united states government had had um, invaded Panama to protect the citizens there from him because that's how bad he was and so Noriega was um uh about to be arrested and instead of being arrested he went to a sanctuary i don't know if any of you remember that you all remember he was holed up in a in a church somewhere and everybody was shaking their heads and thinking oh boy here's the here's the joke using the church using the people in the church etc etc but he fled to and this was a catholic church it was a apostolic nunciature in in the embassy in panama so the the catholic church has an embassy there and he ran there and he turned in all his weapons he didn't go to take over the place or hold it up but he he fled there and he turned over all of his weapons he didn't ask for a nice place to stay they just gave him a humble little room and he asked for a bible and he stayed there and they said he read the bible continuously until he was arrested by the united states government and after his arrest he was given a trial and and, uh, you know some different things there were different laws and so forth and so on that came into play at one point he was challenging some of the charges because he um, he said that he had been working for the CIA as an informant for part of the time. And so it got to be a very confused situation but they did allow him to stay in that sanctuary and he was finally um, uh, turned over. Uh, to the government uh, United States government uh, and it says, I'll just read it, it says Noriega was incarcerated in the Federal Correctional Institution Miami in Dade County, Florida before receiving his permanent prison assignment he was placed in the Federal Detention Center Miami facility. Noriega resided in the Federal Correctional Institution Miami in an unincorporated area of Miami, Dade County, Florida which meant he was a, a political there was an international rule that you can't be in anybody's jurisdiction so a lot of federal federal <laughs> property is considered that way you're not under local jurisdiction you're just under, <laughs> under Caesar so he had the Federal Bureau of Prisons ID number etc under article 85 of the third Geneva Convention Noriega was considered a prisoner of war Despite his conviction for acts committed prior to his capture by the detaining power of the United States this status meant that in Florida he had his own prison cell furnished with electronics and exercise equipment. His cell had been nicknamed quote the presidential suite. So all of this took place after he fled to the sanctuary. And from the sanctuary he was arrested. It says it was reported that Noriega had been visited by evangelical Christians. Who claimed that he had become a born again Christian. On May 15th and 16th, 1990, while Noriega was still, still awaited trial, Cliff Brannon, a former attorney turned preacher, and a Spanish interpreter Rudy Hernandez were allowed to visit Noriega for a total of six hours at the Metropolitan Correctional Center of Dade County, Florida. Following the visit, Noriega wrote Brannon a letter stating, On completing the spiritual sessions that you as a messenger of the word of God brought to my heart, even to my area of confinement as prisoner of war of the United States, I feel the necessity of adding something more of what I was able to say to you as we parted. The evening sessions of May 15th and 16th with you and Rudy Hernandez. Along with the Christian explanation and guidance were for me the first day of a dream, a revelation. I can tell you with great strength and inspiration that receiving our Lord Jesus Christ as Savior guided by you was an emotional event. The hours flew by without my being aware. I could have desired that they continue forever, but there was no time nor space. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your human warmth, for your constant and permanent spiritual strength brought to bear on my mind and soul with great affection, Manuel Noriega. So his prison sentence was reduced from 30 years to 17 years. See this is the concept of the sanctuary being a person and a place coming together. See that that church was where he met God for real. God said my sanctuary that's the place where I meet with man. And he in very humble conditions did nothing but read the Bible. Well after he read the Bible there had to come a different type of sanctuary the priesthood to pull it together for him and get him to understand that Jesus is the Lord that he needs and that Jesus is Lord of all and that Jesus wants to come and dwell in him and set up his own sanctuary on the inside of him and this happened for him. Because these concepts of God never change. I don't care how crazy preachers get and how backslidden Christians get and how whatever they get. God has a way to make himself real to people and he wants to be known by us and he wants to live with us. And if he can live in somebody like Noriega, everybody thought he was running to the church and they were afraid really for the ministers there because this man had murdered so many people he was a n- notorious criminal but god saw to it that he met him there he didn't just meet and escape from the law he met god in that place and that meeting carried over to god saying okay i'm going to show you who is in the sanctuary that really wants to help you this is the whole purpose of the whole thing come together i don't want you just to flee from refuge to save your skin but I want to meet you and show you the life you can really have. So the building and the priesthood must come together. You got me? When we come to, to church, we come here as a sanctuary, a refuge from the toil of the day. And, and for and never look at it as anything but that. This is your refuge from where you come. I've seen people turn turn negative on, on the church. You know, they want to accuse the church of this. And they do this and they do that. No, this is your sanctuary. Don't Don't let the devil rob you of that. Be like David. Be glad when they said let's go into the house of the Lord. Because I'm telling you out there there is no sanctuary for you. Out there there is nothing for the believer. But the believer can grow and flourish and prosper here. The believer can find a place where they are welcome. Like we've been talking about drawing the prodigals back. And not judging them that mercy will minister over the law. And that for people who are coming here to find God. They can find God. Amen. Amen. Father we thank you for your word. And for giving us understanding of who we are as the church of the living God. We thank you Lord that you have a priesthood here on earth. And that's us. Believers that as we come together we understand your word understand how to function here on this earth there's nothing like it Father there's nothing that's been created that will bring more life to humanity than your church than your ability to dwell within people that whole system that you've given to us as your ministers on the earth and we thank you Father that you've chosen us to be a part of this great work and we bless you we praise you in Jesus name Amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and